if I had to fight. Since the late 20th century, the image of black women as unbreakable and almost superhuman has dominated TV and film. I've been only human my whole life. I want to be something else now. I want to be a warrior. The strong black woman character type on screen can be identified by some key features. She does not tolerate BS. So when in doubt, shut your mouth. She has a strong moral compass and holds others accountable. Listen up, Andrews. You are in free fall and I am not having it. She's a natural nurturer. And stop putting your head down in my house. You know my rule. It's all love and all pride in this house. Channeling her strength into helping others. Sometimes even to the point that she disregards her own needs. She's a high performer. I analyze the barometer levels for air displacement, friction, and velocity. The strong black woman has likely had to outperform her mostly white and or male peers in order to get where she is. Twice as good. Twice as good as them to get half what they have. Perhaps most centrally, this character has endured extreme hardships in her life and overcome them. I had to fight my daddy. I had to fight my uncles. I had to fight my brothers. Girl, child ain't safe in a family mansion. The adversity she's lived through has become a source of her inner power and helped define her code of personal ethics. The strong black woman can be seen as selfless strength personified, the human embodiment of the maxim that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Although black women of immeasurable strength do exist in real life, in recent years, popular culture has begun to recognize the toll that having to manifest this superhuman strength takes on black women, both on screen and off. Black women out here trying to save everybody, and what do we get? Here's our take on the strong black woman on screen, how she's evolved, and why she deserves a world that doesn't require her to be so strong all the time. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, a person in America is the black woman. You're watching. While black characters have had a place in American film since its invention, African-American writers, directors, and even actors were largely absent from mainstream early filmmaking. Do you know why we're called the Pussycats? Because we have to claw our way into the same rooms that you can just waltz into. As a result, black characters generally were reduced to stereotypes. During the early rise of film, the predominant characterization of black womanhood was the mammy. Oh, now, Miss Scarlett, you come on and be good and eat just little, No. Honey. A trope most famously personified by Hattie McDaniel's character in the Civil War and Reconstruction era set film, Gone with the Wind. Just hold on and suck in. The Mammy was a nurturing, friendly, always smiling black woman, generally a slave or servant, who functioned to justify the mistreatment and subjugation of African Americans based on the false claim that they enjoyed serving white families. My own house? You gonna send me away, Miss B? I can't live with you? Oh, honey child, please don't send me away. Starting in the 1970s, black exploitation movies ushered in the popularity of another equally harmful stereotype, the Jezebel trope. You are going to turn down the 
like this. Which portrays black women as sexually insatiable and animalistic in their desires. I'm told that you are a dangerous man, Arturo. I like that. It excites me. The Jezebel actually existed long before the movies made it mainstream. This damaging myth was used to justify sexual abuse of black women during and after American slavery. The third prominent stereotype of black women is the sapphire, also known as the angry black woman. Why are you always turning me into the angry black woman? Because you are. Are you kidding me? I'm the stereotype? The sapphire imagines black women as irrational, quick-tempered, and often emasculating to their male partners. What's with the stocking cap, bruh? Face it, the hair's gone gone! <laughs> this trope reflects society's fear of anger in black women. And because those who speak out against discrimination or mistreatment are often dismissed as fitting this stereotype, I would never make this about race. Black women are trapped in an impossible situation where they must suppress their emotions, even in the face of unfairness. Throughout the history of film, all three of these stereotypes have functioned to paint black women as inferior and limit their upward mobility. Then enter the strong black woman. What are you trying to do, kill me? I damn well ought to, you rotten bastard. Her modern image began to take shape in the 1950s and 60s during the black liberation movement. This right here is the next great battle. Celebrated figures of that period like Rosa Parks and Coretta Scott King inspired many through being characterized in this way. While looking back, we can see that this portrait has deeper roots in their predecessors during the abolitionist movement. Now there's nothing more you can do. Don't you tell me what I can't do. In her 2011 book, Sister Citizen, sociologist Melissa Harris Perry writes that this trope was constructed by black women as a way to escape the pervasive negative stereotypes of the Mammy, Jezebel, and Sapphire. Seemingly the opposite of those harmful cliches, the strong black woman is a beacon of superiority. She's extraordinary, even immune to obstacles and pain. I'm Harriet Tubman, leader of this group. We do what I say. You're, you're, you're listening to Spoken Soul Sessions. You ready, my man? With Poetic Black. Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and lewd advances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We'll start from scratch, exploring new possibilities. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black, and I'm happy to be here today. Spoken Soul family, what's good? We have another one for you guys today. Let's get it. I hope, I hope you're on pursuit 
and in pursuit of your dreams and your path. I hope you focus not allowing anyone to impede your progress. Today is the day you break free. Today is the day you solidify your legacy. Welcome Spoken Soul family. Today is a crazy, crazy, crazy show because I've been promising you guys this for a few months now. I told you guys that I was going to start doing panel discussions because I know a lot of dope artists and there's nothing more, you know, fulfilling than hearing the wisdom of a poet. So today, 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 we're going to be dealing with the stereotype of the strong black woman. Negative, positive, indifferent. We're going to get in it today. And to help me do this, we have some very, very special guests in the building today. Now, two of these individuals, my spoken soul family know because we did interviews with them and they were phenomenal interviews, legendary. The first one we're going to speak about and we're going to introduce to the show is none other than the beautiful Jamila McKenzie, also known as Jam Spoken. As you guys know, as I can see from the downloads that she received from her interview, you guys were definitely feeling her episode. She's from Detroit, Michigan. Her favorite poets is Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou. She is known for her dynamic cadence and her stage presence in her performances. I want to welcome to the Spoken Soul Session show again, the lovely, beautiful, dynamic, jam spoken. What's good, Queen? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> all right, all right. Now, next up, we have another phenomenal artist. I mean, she was so nice. We had to do it twice. She, we, we had to do, we had to do two interviews because her first interview, it, we got so deep into conversation that we had to do a two-part series on her, and it was dope, dope. Now. I'm talking about none other than the queen, Lady Obsidian Rain. Welcome to the show, Queen. How are you this morning? I'm blessed and highly favored. Such oh. an honor to be here with all of you guys. All right, all right. And last, but definitely not least, we have a newcomer to the show. And we're going to get her her own interview. We have... The lovely Shamise Lady Jacobs, Baltimore native. Now, shout out to Baltimore because one of my favorite poets in the whole wide world is from B Moore. I don't know if you're familiar with the brother um, Slankston Hughes. I I know, he, yeah, he be, he be doing numbers. We had him on the show. He came on. He, he did an exclusive for us. He performed an exclusive 
uh, an exclusive rendition of one of his poems, one of his famous poems, Freedom. And he came on the show and gave us a, a you know what I'm saying? Nowhere else this is, is on the Spoken Soul Session show. That's mm-hmm. what's up. So shout out to B-More. But this lovely lady, she's from, she's a Baltimore native. She's a published poet. We're going to get into her her books and her accolades a little later in the show. And she's the owner of the RVA project. And I'm going to let her explain what that is a little later on in the show. But we got to dive into this topic, man. We got to dive into this topic. So, ladies, ladies, what do you guys feel about the topic? The strong black woman. Do The question is, as three strong, beautiful black sisters, I don't want to put the word strong there because three beautiful black women are right here. And when 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 we refer to the black woman from a male a male perspective, when we when we refer to the black woman as being strong, how do that make you guys feel? We're gonna start off with Jam. Um, I say for the outer, uh, like on the surface, if somebody call you strong, it's depicted as strength. You know, it's depicted as something well. So you want to feel like that's a good statement, but on the inner, like the inner perspective of what do it really mean and how it affect us, I feel like I don't want to be called strong all the time. You know, I don't want that. Mm. All right, Lady Obsidian. Well, how you feel about it? very much in the same vein it's like a a double-edged sword you know our our strength is in one part valued because we're capable of doing so many things but at the same time it kind of devalues us in the way people treat us you know Mm. oh because you're so strong you should just be able to take whatever abuse i dish out and you know not have anything to say about it Mm. so there's a bit of a double-edged sword to being called strong indeed now lady chemise how you feel about it I think that people think that it's a compliment. Mm. It's not. Um, it's not a compliment. Mm. It puts us in. It puts us in a box. Um, that I feel once we're in that box, we're then pushed into a corner. It's, it's like they're okay. Definitely. It's not always the case. So yeah, because you see, like. In history, I don't know if you guys are familiar. I forget this doctor's name, but he he's a celebrated gynecologist. And they celebrate him in that in that field of work. But he was known to use black women as an experiment. I forget his name. His name escaped me. But he was known to uh, do all these type of experiments. All these different procedures they have today was actually... Uh, Black women was used as guinea pigs, you know, with no anesthesia, with no type of pain relief. He was doing all these type of procedures. And his rationale was that black women can endure more than any other woman. She can endure all this pain. So that's why it was done. And he was celebrated and it wasn't against the law. You know, what I mean, they used to take they used to take black women and use them as guinea pigs to say, OK, you can take this pressure. You can take this pain. So we're going to we just going to you know, what I'm saying we're going to do this procedure on you with no anesthesia to see the results of it. They've been using black people as guinea pigs since the beginning of times, so the beginning of this uh, of this 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 crazy ass uh, middle uh, what you want to call it, this transition that we had coming from our homeland to this country. They've been 
You know, they've been utilizing us in so many negative ways. So the trope of the strong black woman, the trope of the sapphire, the, the trope of the, you know, the mammy, you know, and we and me growing up, I noticed that when I was a kid growing up, all of the roles on TV with a black woman, significant roles, recurring roles was roles of a mammy. The role of the mammy that was like in my area coming up, it was always got to be a sister that was, oh, 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 I saw it, boss. And talking like, you know, what I mean, they don't have no intelligence, no type of no type of thinking for themselves. And it's been depicted in the media since I was a child. So I think that alone, it kind of condition our minds. You know, a lot of men seeing this, these images on TV, we make conclusions. We make conclusions and everybody just go according to plan. So let me ask you, ladies, what do you feel about starting with Shamise? What do you feel about the trope that they that they display in the media of the strong black woman, the sapphire and the mammy? Talk a little bit about the transition between the two. I mean, between the three. I think it it went from where we saw the mammy as probably the worst way to be depicted. Mm. Um, so I think in the media, it probably went from worse to this is not so bad because at least now um, she has a hand in the game. At least now she's more in control of her life. And so it, it, it may look like it went from worse to not so bad mm. to... Um, even now, when you you take characters like uh, Cookie Cookie Lions, mm-hmm. who is you know, so we've gone from being the help to, in that essence, being on top of the game, and really, it wasn't that great a transition. Mm. It wasn't because in any role, strong black woman or or, or not, to some degree, the backstory is always us being reliant on a man. Mm. Um, and so it, it, the, the transition, it wasn't, I'm sorry, I was about to cuss. It wasn't a great No, you can transition. curse. It's, it's cool. It's cussing. It's yeah, cool. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a good transition. Um, I am glad that we are no longer depicted as, as, as the mammy um, in, that, in that light. But the come up wasn't all that real. Mm. We're still somehow the villain in every story being told, even when we are supposed to be depicted as the hero. Mm. Yep. So I don't, it's, it's no fair shape all the way around the board. And it's crazy, man, because when you look at the, um, the media, cause like that trope, the strong black woman, it was initially created by, by black women because they got tired of being typecast as mammies. They got tired of being typecast as, oh, you know, oh, I'm just a prostitute. I don't know if you remember Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown, me growing up in those days when Foxy Brown came, like, Foxy Brown, she was bad. You know what I'm saying? Everybody liked Pam Grier. But all her roles in them black exploitation films was that of a of a Jezebel. Or she was she was she was always seductive and she she trying to butter up to white men and you know what I'm saying it's, it, it it was crazy that she was the hero in the, in the film but her character was depicted as being 
you know, loose. You know what I'm saying? Her, her character was depicted as being, oh, she's just provocative. And, you know, so these were the type of roles. Like a lot of black men were getting typecast roles for being muggers, rapists, you know. Hey, job Turkey, what you doing? These are the roles they they given us. And with the black woman, they typecast us in these in these demeaning roles. So black women and themselves, like we tired of this shit. We tired of just, you know, or we the mammy, we gotta nurture white people and we gotta we gotta be everybody's rock. And then it started to change. But the change and the dynamic of the change, it went from something like you said, Shimmy's, something that was supposed to be good because people think that they're complimenting you. But it's it's gone too far. It's gone too far. And I think that the black woman's femininity is at stake now because that's what I think they're trying to attack. They're trying to uh, make this 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 kind of, you know, perception that black women, you know, that they that they don't need nothing. You know what I'm saying? That they can just be and that's it. You know what I mean? They don't, I don't need no man. I'm strong. I can do this by myself. Everybody else needs someone. Everybody else need union. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else need that. But the black woman, oh, I don't need you. And it's becoming, it's becoming redundant. You know, it's becoming redundant. And I think that it's a, it's an all out attack on black femininity because they're trying to project black women as being more masculine than feminine. Oh, they're too strong. Oh, they can't be handled. They can't be tamed. These are all the the words that they use about black women. You know, I, Lady Obsidian, what do you feel about the topic? What do you feel about the the the, the constant, you know, attack on black femininity as a black woman? Do you feel that your femininity is attacked in the media, in movies, and things of that nature? Absolutely, and it's reflective in society and just, you know how I'm interpreted by people like the the moment they see me and like the structure of society is like crafted the views of black women to be so damaging that we're damned to even exist like Mm. if we're sweet and accommodating then we're getting walked on if we're outspoken and assertive now we're the contentious woman and you know you don't know how to be submissive and everything else so it's like we get pushed out of the the demographic for, for dating because men is like oh you're emasculating me all I'm doing is is showing up and being an authentic person. How is that emasculating you? Mm. Like we weren't being protected by anyone and that itself is traumatizing. So our trauma response became being the black woman. We had to show up for ourselves. Our hyper independence was how we were taking control of, you know, the narrative. And then finding some safety in that just for our own mental state and well-being and who we needed to be for our children that are now being raised in single family homes. And like just the way that structure, you know, shifted, you know, now you like the, the welfare program, you would only get assistance if you didn't have a male in the house mm-hmm. and you were getting more for not having a male in the house. So it's like, OK, well, I, I, I don't need you because you're kind of put in this box where you can't provide and I need to make ends meet by whatever means. So now I have to go and do this. It then like altered even our concept. Like we're just going to have to figure it out. We're always the ones who just have to figure it out. Nobody's showing up, showing up for us and saying, Oh, here, I got you. And it being in a respectful thing, it's no, I got you. And now you owe me. Mm. So it's, it's, 
it's damaging for our young girls to grow up and see either you become passive and you're just going to be abused and you have to figure that out. You're using your body because that's what men are expecting from you to do is use your body. Um, because they're not really going to value you for your intellect. You are an intelligent person. And for a very long time, I got told I was a white girl trapped in a black girl's body. Mm. You know, I, I had some issues growing up. And then, it's, you know, the colorism, you know, you're you're too dark. You're not beautiful enough. Like, if you think about the characters that are on TV, color purple to be example, mm. um, the darker character being abused and the lighter counterpart is who everybody was going after Mm -hmm. so now there's a whole bunch of dark-skinned girls that don't think that they're considered beautiful enough you know you look at our celebrities they went from maybe having my skin tone and darker to you know lighting up and now you're 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 kind of racially ambiguous we don't are you are you mixed Mm -hmm. um so it's it's very damaging to see the way that they have portrayed us in the media and how that has impacted how men see us, how girls see themselves, um, whatever race decides that they're, they're going to treat us. Because black men, white men, Hispanic men, like they're all treating us based on the narratives that have been put in TV shows and in movies. You're either using your body to get what you want because you can't be intelligent enough. And if you're intelligent enough, then... I don't feel man enough to be around you. Mm. And like, what place is that? Uh, our, our, our softness to really be protected and nurtured and for us to feel like we can let our guard down. Mm. That's crazy. Cause Malcolm said, Malcolm X said, he said the most unprotected or the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. And then he said the most unprotected person in America is the black woman, you know, because that is because of though all the reasons you just mentioned media is very strong. It's very strong. And people, they undermine the relevance of media and the power that it has. When you have someone priming you, priming you, like you talked about the welfare system, I think it was Lyndon B. Johnson who passed the Welfare Act. And one of the, the prerequisites was that you couldn't have a man in house. But that was only applicable to black people. It was only pl- applicable to the black families. They were, they were not enforcing that rule with white families. And that's, a, and that's a fact. So by doing that, like you said, they're giving you an incentive to break the union. Because the whole concept is to divide black the black woman and the black man. If you look throughout slavery from the transition of slavery from slavery to the transition of slavery, it's always been a conservative effort to keep the black union separate. Even when you was on a plantation, Oh, you want you like that girl over there. She liked you. Y'all had some kids together. What did they do? I'm going to separate you. I'm going to sell her to this, this one. I'm going to sell the kid over here. I'm gonna, it was always a conservative effort to keep the black union from coming together. And like on the side of the female, you know what I'm saying? The way you see how, it's, how it played out with the female, the male, and this is how they create this animosity between black man, black woman. Because the black man is looking like, oh, oh I can't be in the house. I can't be in the house. Because if I'm in a house, the 
the welfare going to take all your benefits, going to take all your, you know what I'm saying, Every, take your cash assistance and everything. So I can't be in the house. So men are looking at it from the same perspective, like, oh, oh, you don't need me. I'm not needed. And what happens when a person feels unneeded? When a, pers- feel, when a person feels unneeded and you don't need me for nothing, what I'm going to do? I'm going to go elsewhere. And that's why that creates the dynamic that we have today with a lot of black Black men and black women aren't dating each other. They're not coming together. We're not forming unions together because we got gripes. And these gripes go all the way back to slavery. And the black woman is right. She wasn't protected. She was not protected. But then on the on the defense of the black male, how could I? Because the whole dynamic of the slavery in that Willie Lynch syndrome was that to reverse the roles. Mm-hmm. And you know when you reverse anything, when you reverse the roles of anything and take anything out of its, outside of its natural habitat, you will destroy it. You will corrupt it. Like if you take a rose and you plant it in a cave where there's no sunlight, there's no water. That's, that's, that seed is not going to grow. And if it do grow, it's going to grow warped. It's going to grow half. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I'm going to say, the, I don't want to use that word retarded, but it's going to be held back, which what the word actually means, to be held back. It's going to hold you back. So when you, when you look at the dynamic of what they're doing, they try to take us outside of our natural element and pit us against each other. So now we got beef. Like Chris Rock said in one show, he said, he said, you know what I'm saying? Things just don't happen when you're dating in relationships. You know what I'm saying? He said, you're a black woman. He's a black man. Y'all can't come together. You know what I'm saying? He you know, it, he was trying to make the point of a man, black man and black woman supposed to be together. But in this day and age, it's not a reality. They've, they've created such a hate and animosity. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been watching these 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 videos while researching for this particular panel discussion and a whole bunch of videos came up of why black men don't date black women and i'm like why the hell is all these all these videos coming up like that you know what i'm saying i love the black woman you know what i'm saying i went i've never ever been my name is poetic black first and foremost i've never had the desire maybe when i was a little kid and my mom's like when i was a when i was like seven or eight I had a thing for Madonna. And my mom's looked at me. She was like, what are you with? She's like, yo, like what? I was like, I like her. That song, Like a Virgin and all that came out. I like her. What you like her for? You know what I'm saying? And But when I got old and I started to understand things, you know, I've never purposely been with a white woman. Never had the desire to be with a a, a, a a white woman, you know. No shade to white people, but that's just not my preference. And I love the black woman, and I don't see how you know. What I'm saying I don't see where the disconnect is at. I understand the disconnect, but I don't. I don't see where is that, Lady Obsidian. So, in a lot of like the psychology uh, topics that I've gotten into and in, in reading. Uh, one book always catches me and I, I do end up talking about it quite often. It's called The Mismeasure of Man. And mm. this particular book is actually debunking the science that was done to kind of say that, you know, black people were inferior and, you know, and all this stuff, which allowed, you know, the general public to treat them as subservient humans. Mm. So when you think about it, everything was supposed to prevent 
them from seeing us as being human. Mm -hmm. So if they can confine us to labels, it gives them justification to keep those blinders on, to not see outside of those hurt lenses, to see outside of the knowledge that became a veil over their eyes, to be able to see us as human. You, you think of men who are dating outside their race, which I don't have any, any, I'm, I'm not against any of that. My daughter is biracial. Um, I also grew up with a very diverse community and was just like, people are people. I was looking at the souls of individuals, mm -hmm. but I started to understand the science behind it when you are put in a position where this is the information that you have, this is the lens that you are operating out of, the, the, to take the time to rewire that neural pathway to have a different understanding actually becomes very time consuming. Mm. You're just going to go to the default. Oh, women are hostile. That's what I've been told. That's what I see as them portraying. So I'm going to come across this woman and I'm going to look for her being hostile. She may not be hostile at all, but you're going to take everything she says. Indeed. In, in that hostile fashion. Whereas another woman saying the same exact thing isn't going to be seen as hostile. It's going to be seen as, oh, thank you for giving me a different perspective. Mm -hmm. so it's just the, the way that it's been crafted to view us that they're just continuing to look from that from that lens to see us as, as subhuman individuals. And it just it, it justifies it in their mind. Oh, you're not worth dating because you're hypersexual. You're going to, you know, go off and do this. You're you're not loyal. You you're arguing with me all the time or, you know, you're invalidating my experience as a man. You, you don't know how I, I, I need to be taken care of as a man. But this woman knows how to. Mm. And it. You and put them parallel. They're doing the same exact thing. The same exact thing, and that and, that, and that's the mind fuck because you seeing it and you sitting there. I, I know I know it got to be frustrating to be a to, to be a sister and seeing you do something exactly what somebody else did, and you getting demonized for it, and they getting credited, they're getting praised for it. You're getting demonized. Like when a woman asserts herself, when a black woman asserts herself and say, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to tolerate disrespect or I'm not going to tolerate you trying to do anything to me or trying to mistreat me. Then she's looked at as being irate, irrational. She's violent. She's a, you know, what I'm saying like these are all the different types of, you know, the things they try to put on the black woman. So let's 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 shift the situation. Let's let's shift it a little bit. Let's shift it around a little bit. So now, let's let's start with Jam Spoken. How do you feel about the way black women, you know, like, let's say the dating scene. Let's say the dating scene. Because black women are looked at as being problematic. Have you ever experienced uh, people say, oh, I'm problematic because I'm assertive. Or I'm, you're problematic because... You know what I mean? You're not going to allow someone to take advantage of you. Have you had those type of experiences before? Of course, of course. I don't want to be black if I didn't. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like the the whole and all, like, like for, I'm going to tie both questions in kind of. Uh, but for like as the black woman uh, depicted in media, it started off, I feel like it comes out it from our era. So the mammy was depicted from the era of slavery because during those times, the mammy, the black woman was in inside. She was taking care of 
other people's children, her children, and everything else. And then the feminine movement came where women wanted to be independent. Now they depicted um, women as independent. So now they exploit our mind. So first mm. they exploited our hand. So now I'm going to exploit what you do as the mammy. Mm. And then they made us feminine, the feminine movement. Now we independent. Now they exploit our mind. So now feminine mean that they took the femininity and mean that, okay, now you're too strong to accept any help. So now I'm going to exploit your mind. Mm. And then it came into another era where they brought, um, now that we independent, we got this freedom. So now within this freedom, y'all can only be depicted a certain type of way. Then they exploited our bodies because all the time they was exploiting our body on, on media was, that doesn't mean that's how the truly the black woman is. But when you do, people do things for gang and money and that's the only entry in, you know, we don't know what it is because we are not producers and things, but I know a lot of people like that I know even as my friends and people who went into like artistry or they work for movies and different things. Like I had a cousin, she had lived in Detroit with me and she had, she was going, she was going to be a model. And then she came to Atlanta for her a career change. But when she got here, she turned into like a stripper. Mm. And when she went to Atlanta, she turned into a stripper. But I all had asked her recently, cause I had just recently saw her after seeing her so many years, like what happened? Like, what was the transition? She said that, when she went down there and tried to get into films and black films, like most of the black films and the areas and videos, they wanted her to be like the video vixen. And mm. you know what I mean? Like those are the uh, images that she was depicted. So she just kind of got around that scene and crowd and it, it was exposed to that. And then, you know, defaulted into what was easy because it was all about the money anyways. So I say that to say that for the black woman, I feel like, what what's in the media is like the era that we are living in. So they try to depict the media from the era that we in. And I feel like in dating, um, I just wanted to date actually uh, Saturday. And, I, and the first thing that I was asking is, I asked him, I said, we was talking about this kind of con- this subject. And I asked him, I said, give me some advice as a black woman. Why do black men always see as a type of way? Because where I'm from in Nashville is predominantly white. And we was in a white bar. And so this is what we had. We kind of conversation. We start talking about the music and stuff and just about the black family. And I said, give me some advice on what should I do as like, you know, I could add the black woman. I said, why do black men um, don't have respect for black women? And his exact words was black women don't respect themselves. Mm. Mm. And it's crazy that the man that's supposed to love us the most feel like we don't respect ourselves. You know what I mean? Black women respect themselves. Mm. But we programmed to believe that black men are not good men and they programmed to believe that black women don't respect themselves. So he just came, he didn't think about what he said. He just spit it out unconsciously because he's been trained and programmed to believe that black women don't respect themselves. But in all actually we do. You know what I mean? Like if we do the same thing as a white woman, uh, that white woman is not depicted as not respecting herself. So I feel like in dating, when you set standards as a black woman, especially in my dating life, I can't really speak for nobody else. I've always been um, depicted as aggressive or uh, emasculating. Like you said, like I always, men always think that about me because my character or my voice, I, I never allow nobody to take my voice from me. Mm. So when you don't allow nobody to take that from you, you're going to always be looked at as causing conflict 
when they really just want you to be quiet. You know what I mean? Like, and we've been quiet a long time. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like it, it should be a place for us to speak. We can speak from truth and don't emasculate a man, but a man also has to be sure within his manhood. So I believe that when our voice becomes louder than their voice in their own head, they come sometimes see you as the enemy. Mm. You know what I mean? So in their mind, they see themselves as a certain thing. So your voice may be a little louder than their voice in that they in their head. So it's like, even as a black man, when a black man goes out into society, he see himself in a light, just like black women. I'm going to say, I'm going to say black. I don't want to say women, women. I feel like black people as a whole have the same type of issues. Mm. We may be different for gender, but it's the same issue. When a black man goes into the workforce, he is used for his hands. Most of the time he, he's seen as a provider. And when he go into the workforce, he is always, always looked at the lower level on the lower thing. So they're always trying to achieve so it's like they always got the voice of somebody that's higher than them. And then as a black woman, when we go into the workforce, we are overachieving so that we can feel like we amount to something. So when we come in our homes, we already coming from a place of being constantly rejected. So we want to feel accepted in our homes. So when a black woman is voicing concern, which seems like criticism, it's like I already get criticism from them. I'm not enough for them. I'm not going to be enough for you either. But. Yeah. We're not really trying to mean it that way, but that's how the black men see it. And that's how the black women see it. So then it becomes this thing as black women are always argumentative or trying to control the black man. But it's really we need to heal as a whole mm. so that we can understand each other in a better light so that our dating can be, you know, it can be more fruitful. Now, that right there is so profound. Now, I'm going to give you ladies an experience from me, from a man. Now, I'm relatively tall. I'm 6'3". You know what I'm saying? I'm a big guy. You know what I'm saying? So I've always experienced, I'm a chef by trade. So when I be in the work field, this happened to me so many different times. So many different times. When I'm in the workplace, you know, I'm a big guy. So I'm doing my thing or whatever. But people, for some reason, they feel intimidated. Like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, first of all, I'm a poet. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I tell you I'm a poet, that should, like, ease things over. Like, yo, I'm not aggressive. You know what I mean? I can be very aggressive. I can be very, you know, you know, direct. But on in my very everyday life, me meeting people, interacting with people, socializing with people, I'm a very nice guy, very respectful guy. But for some reason, because of my, my complexion and because of my height, people automatically think I'm a threat and it's so many different instances. And a lot of, a lot of sisters don't realize this as a black man walking in the street when you big, like I got a, I got a younger brother, my youngest brother. I think he's 26. Now he's taller than me. He's about like six, four, six, five. And I, and, and he, he, he's light skinned, but he's very aggressive. And I tell him on a, on, a, on a daily basis, every time I talk to him, you have to be mindful the way you socialize with people. You can't get too hype. You can't because people are going to look at you in the work field. They're going to look at you and they're going to automatically say, look, this guy's a threat. This, and I, I've lost jobs like that. I've lost jobs like that when one time I was working in the U.S. Open and it was this one dude. He didn't he didn't like the fact that I was getting more money than him. And he went to go tell the chef, 
oh, this dude right here been pushing up on me and he be like, he intimidating me. And you know what I'm saying? And because he's been there, because it's a seasonal job, and but it pays a lot of money. But because he's been there recurring for a few years, he had that seniority. So for him to say something like that to the chef, it trickled down, oh, you got to get up out of here. You know what I mean? So when, you, when you're big, when you're big, you get looks. So I can, I, I can definitely identify and put myself in a position when how black women are being viewed. Black women are being viewed that, oh, you can take it. Because the, the craziest thing to me, why is black women always looked at as being argumentative? Why? Why is that the, you know what I'm saying? Because I personally believe that if you are a man and you understand yourself, it's impossible for you not to understand your woman, period. And a lot of the times, that's what it is. We don't understand ourselves, so we can't understand the person that was made for us. If we have the knowledge and know that this is a glove, this glove goes on your hand, not your feet. And that's the problem. We're trying to put gloves on our feet. We're trying to put gloves on our feet, and we're using, I'm using that metaphor instead of, you know I me. Mean, caressing or or, or 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 treating a woman with respect we're stomping on them because i notice in my brother's age and his age group the way they depict women and talk about women is crazy and i and i often tell him i'm like yo i said how come you always use the b word he said what are you talking about i'm talking to my brother i'm be talking to him. i ain't out there no i'm like it doesn't matter i said every time you refer to a woman you refer to her oh this this smut and but this is the lingo that's going on out there. This is the lingo. If you look at the youth, because I'm, 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 I'm really close to the youth. If you look at the youth and their terminologies, how they depict women, and, and the, especially the young age men today, they're, 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 they're going off this concept, forget a woman. I don't want a woman. I don't want a woman. A woman is only for, the, the, for me to get my rocks off. And other than that, it's all about my niggas. You hear the songs. You hear the music. My niggas, mine. It's nothing about cultivating relationship with your counterpart. You know, it's all about, oh, that's my dog. I'm going to die for my dog. I'm a, You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all about my dog. Uh, what, what Future said, chase a check. Never chase a chick. You dig what I'm saying? These are the type of things that's being put in, like on, on, on repeat. All the songs that play on the radio is reinforcing these negative, you know, these negative uh, uh, images of, of each other, not just of the black woman, but the black man. And then on top of it, this is how they this is how they get you, because you got your you have your your your, your struggles. I have my struggles. But then at the end of the day, they try to make us outstruggle each other let's compare and contrast each other's struggle like jam said we're all in the same struggle you know what i'm saying like when you look at the the, the advent of the black feminist movement and um like like when when, when sojourner truth gave that speech um ain't i a woman i believe that was 1865 actually she was the first you know the first one to be if you want to call the first woman feminist or abolitionist, it was Sojourner Truth. You know what I mean? But after that, all these white women, these white women got up on the, the train and said, oh, yeah, we've been oppressed and we've been this, you know. And then what, what was baffling to me, you have sisters 
getting up on this white feminism trip talking about, oh, yeah, we've been we've been we've been uh, neglected, too. And listen, sister, your struggle is not that white woman's struggle. Them white men was beating them women. They was they was they was treating them bad and all that. They had slaves. They was they was having sex with the slaves. The wives knew about it. Some of them white women was having sex with the bucks and all that too. But their struggle wasn't your struggle. Our struggle was together. You know, we was being demonized. They reversed the roles. They made us go through the black woman to get everything we needed. If we needed anything, we had to go through the black woman. I'm talking about during slavery. And they purposely did that. That we're going to reverse the roles. We're going to make this man anything he need. He got to go ask this woman so she can go butter up the master so the master can give it to her. You dig what I'm saying? And it still works today. It still works today. That's the whole idea of the welfare system. The welfare system was an extension of that Willie Lynch syndrome of making the black man go through the black woman in order to get. So when you do that, this is what happens. You you do. A man feels defeated because as a man, your, your number one goal or your number one job is to be a provider. And I know that sounds cliche, but. Providing comes in a whole bunch of different aspects. But if you feel if a man feel that he can't contribute anything, he's going to go somewhere where he feel that he can't, you know what I'm saying? Where he can't. All right. Uh, uh, Lady Obsidian, you had something to say? It's like the, the resentment that built from that, mm. that, that's the reverse psychology. And, you know, Dan uh, Spoker was talking about this. It's like when you, when you create that kind of dynamic, when you're not healed from that insecurity that you're unable to provide, you're going to be resentful of the woman that you're with, even if that's not how she's you know, portraying herself. That's just how you're, you're seeing because that's your internal dialogue. So the healing that needs to be done by black men and women is knowing that you can provide. It's knowing that you are safe and mm. or the, like, deserve to be safe. So like the more we start speaking to that aspect of our own insecurities, we can then show up for each other in, in a capacity where a man's going to look at a black woman's like, yeah, I know she's strong. She's capable of doing a lot of things, but I want to show up for her and protect her because I know I'm capable of doing so. Mm. She's not trying to make me feel like this. But the way dynamics have been, this is an insecurity that I have and I need to overcome that. It's not it's not about making the woman responsible and saying, oh, you need to dim yourself so that I can feel, you know, like I can provide for you. Um, one of the things like I like to do is I, I get on the app called Clubhouse and I go into rooms that are predominantly men talking to men just like to listen in on the conversation because I can't understand what a man is going through if they're not going to talk about it. Mm. So I will go in just to listen and get their perspective it, to be able to know how I need to show up for my partner and how my son is going to need me to show up for him as his mom. And, you know, what I'm going to need to teach him as he's growing up to be a healthy man for himself and for, you know, his future endeavors in life. And that was one of the things like I got on the stage and I asked them, you know, talking about like, how people tell me that I'm aggressive, I'm intimidating, I'm too assertive, and men tell me that I don't make them feel, you know, like a man. I, I emasculate them. And he literally stopped me and sis, hold on one moment. He asked all the men in the room, he goes, can any man make you feel like, can any woman make you feel like you're not a man? And they all came back and was like, no. 
I, I know who I am. I'm going to show up as who I am. Another person can't make me do anything unless I concede that power. Mm. So for the men who are saying, oh, you're emasculating me, you make me feel like I'm not needed, you're already feeling like that. Mm. You're projecting that off on the woman and trying to make her responsible for a space that you need to come up and heal within yourself. Mm. Whoever made you feel like that or whatever dynamics played out where you took on that narrative, you got to address that. Because no woman is ever going to be able to make you feel like you're going to provide because then if she starts needing you, you're going to be overwhelmed by her, her dependence. Oh, now you're a burden. Now mm. you're the gold digger. So you either heal what's inside of you or you're always going to be projecting that narrative onto somebody else. And I agree with you. I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I definitely agree with you. You know, but however, I'm going to play devil's advocate. However, you know what I'm saying? You have, you have, like when you have a, a a woman, right? Now you can see this dynamic on both parts, on both parts, male and female. You see the man that got the money. You see these rappers, and when they get the money, the first thing they say is, "I don't need a woman," because it's the money that replaces that woman. Yes. So when you see, so it, the money is the common denominator, and when you see black women. Black women are very more successful today in the corporate in the corporate world. You know what I mean? They're way more successful than black men are. And now they're getting this money because it was a time when the sister, she had to depend on a man. Like, you want to get your hair done and you ain't got no job? Who you going to get to do it? So men, for the, all those years, men felt good. They had their chest out like, yeah, she got to come to me. She got to come to me. She got to come to me. Oh, I, oh, oh, baby, I need some, some food, some money for the groceries, or I, I want to go shopping. I want to take the kids shopping or whatever. He, you had to go to the man to get that money. So now in today's age where women are more financially stable, women are more successful in corporate America where they're making big bucks. They don't need men for money. So now when these women now, now you got to look at it all these years, men has been, has been primed to be the provider. My job is when she asks for stuff, I give it to her. Remember the songs in the eighties? If you ain't got a J O B nigga, you ain't going to be with me. Remember that shit? <laughs> all, all them joints right there. Oh, ain't nothing going on, but the rent, all those things right there was the dynamic. It was a shift. It was a shift. Because back in the 80s, 70s, you had the man was the predominant breadwinner. So now you come to the 90s, the new woman, and you notice a lot of this stuff started in the 90s. It started in the 90s. Women becoming more independent. Women becoming more um, successful in the work area. And they're having their own. So, so much so to the point where they're outdoing men as far as finances is concerned. But then you hear that recurring theme with black women. Oh, I ain't got no man. So it got to be a connection between the two. It's the money. It's yeah, that money. That the the, money when man get evil. money, when the, when the black man get the money, forget the woman. When a black woman get the money, I don't need the man. You dig what I'm saying? I see it's getting heated up here. I see hands is raising. Everybody want to get in. Eyes is how we going to do it. Let's go to Jam. Then we will go to Lady Obsidian. And then we going to go to Shamise. Let's go. Okay, so I just watched the podcast. I'm happy y'all talking about this. Because on the thing, I was watching a podcast. It was like a, maybe a panel of about seven people. Three of them was men. I believe like maybe three was women. And I think it was like a host. I can't remember what gender. The man was on the podcast. He said... 
he asked a woman, but what could you do for me? And then she said, she, he wasn't saying for him, but she, he, he was basically saying this was a black podcast. What can a black woman do for the black man? And she said, well, in my home, what do you, she said, in my home, well, uh, you know, she got to take care of the home. I make sure the home is a home. She's just going to all these things. I cook meals. I take care of my kids. You know, all these things that she brought up. He said, I could pay for all that to get done. Mm. What could you do for me that he, he, he was basically saying that the black woman offered nothing, that everything that she had available, that she, the points that she brought up offer nothing because you keep outsource them. He said, I can outsource my groceries. I can outsource my laundry. Um, he said, uh, I can have a interior decorator to come in and decorate. These was all his points. Mm. He said, but if I leave and don't buy this house or pay for this rent, what could I have something to offer that the black woman can't offer me? Mm, that's that's profound. That's a real. That was that's deep. profound. Talk about <laughs> talk about it. devil's advocate. That that's profound. I want to hear Lady Obsidian's response to this. Let me hear what you got to say about this one. So even go back to what you were saying before, like money being the common denominator, it, it brought up the scripture, you know, money is the root of all evil. Mm. When you start chasing after the money, yes, you lose sight of what's actually important. And then going on, you know, what Dan said, I actually had a conversation with another poet in regards to the topic, what do you bring to the table? Mm. And it's like, I a lot of guys are giving their feedback and one person is just like, literally that statement is to devalue you it's to make you feel like you don't have inherent value you know you have to be able to do all the other things that another woman wouldn't be able to do and of course you know you're keeping up to society standards uh you need to look a certain way you need to have a certain amount of something you need to you know be my safe space don't challenge me you mm -hmm. know and all of that is a form of manipulation. So to ask a woman, like, what do you bring or what can you give me? That's basically saying like, I'm putting you on a trial basis because you're not my option. But time out though, time out. Let's go back in to the eighties. We just mentioned that prior to this day and age, because we flipping the script because before back then, when a man was trying to court a woman, what was the first thing she said? But that's what I'm what? saying. That's how society is. That's yeah, how but what can you do? Black, it wasn't even just a black community that was like that. If you watch these movies, that's exactly how the the, the society ran. A man courted the woman, and you know, she, there was a bride purchase. Okay, this is all people across the board. <laughs> you talking about the dowry? Purchase. You talking about yeah, the dowry? Like it was a transaction between men because women were treated as commodity. It was saying mm -hmm. you have that's to true. be able to provide this amount because you're taking on another person. And that's why it started to shift. Men were like, okay, if everything is up to me and now I have to be burdened by this, I need to know that I'm getting something equal out of it. Like pride came up into the face. Mm. That's really But the, But the point to. I'm trying to make is the same question. The same question is being asked of both parties. Like when you say a man say to a woman, what can you do for me? And you saying that that's devaluing the woman by saying that, but is it not devaluing the man by saying for a woman to say to a man, what can you do for me? Which is, I understand where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong. I understand where you're coming from. That was the dynamic back then. It's it. 
technically is still the dynamic today. It's still the dynamic today that men come offering gifts and women are treated like commodities. If you deal with different religions, that's how they're treated. When, when Like in Islam, in the Islamic faith, when you court a woman, you have to give her a bridal gift, which is called the dowry, a mark. Yeah. Now, when you give her that dowry, it's, it's twofold. It's crazy that I'm thinking about it now. When you give her that dowry, she's yours. In the Islamic faith. For the woman, it was for the family. No, no, no. I'm talking about I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about for the woman, the bridal gift. It was for the family. They they usually made the bridal gift to benefit the family, but the tradition of the bridal gift or the dowry was specifically for the woman. That was her gift. Like she could say, I want anything I wanted. Like she said, Well, look, you want you want my hand in marriage? I want I want fifty, I want fifty sheep two cows and a horse and some land. That was the dowry. So a man got to say, okay, this is yours. But the thing that she would ask for would, would be more to benefit her family. Like, yo, I got a big family. This, if you want you want my hand in marriage, you're going to have to hook my people up. It was like a bribe. So don't get me wrong. I understand what you're talking about, but I'm saying that that same question was asked of men. What can you provide? What can you bring? So when you ask, what can you bring in today's age, it flips because to, in today's age, women are way more successful with the, with the feminist movement. Women want to be treated equally. We want the women want fair wages. And I'm for that. I'm for women having equal wages. You know what I'm saying? Equal opportunities and means to do what they want with their wages and period. That's it. But because of that, when you look at the whole dynamic, it's cha- it, it has changed men. Men are changing now. The chivalry is dead. Dudes ain't looking to, oh, let me throw my coat on the floor so she can walk over a mud puddle. You ain't seeing that today. You're not, you're not seeing that today. You're not. You ain't going to see a man take off his Gucci jacket, throw it on the ground so a woman can step on it and so she won't get her heels wet. That's not happening today. But before, it was, it was an ideal thing. It was something that they were shown in the media to propel men to say, oh, I want to be the chivalrous man. I want to be the knight in shining armor. It was something to benefit her. But nowadays, because, and this is because the way things have developed, Women are being looked at as being less needed, less needed for me to come and say, all right, I'm I'm, going to take care of this for you. I'm going to take care of this for you because of the feminist, in my opinion, the feminist movement is saying we want equal, we want equal, we want equal. So if you want equal, this is what equals look like. Equals look like this. (laughs) You know, I know you burn it up, Lady of City. I know you're burning. I know you're burning, but that's what I want. (laughs) So let's, hold on, let's go, let's go to Lady Shavis. Let's go to Lady Shavis and then then we will get back to you, let you stew a little bit more. I know it's about to come out. Go ahead, Queen. So I, I will say this because I am a um I'm a big advocate for the black man. I love the black man. I don't think it's anything better than creator created than a black man, but a black woman, mm. right? In my experiences, you, I'm gonna go way back. You said something earlier when you were talking about uh being big. And when you said you said when you're big, you get seen. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm. And black women are a big deal. Mm. And so we get seen. How we get seen is not um, it ain't on us. 
people gonna perceive you any which way they want to, any which way they're conditioned to. Mm. Bringing it back forward, the the whole idea of what we bring to the table. We are the table. Ah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> we are the table, and so me personally, my father raised me intentionally. Told me you're going to be a wife, mm. I'm, and I'm raising you as such. And he was a gentleman, and because of that, because that was my upbringing, and because that was my experience, and this is why fathers are important. The way that I carry myself. The way that I walk, I've heard that my energy shifts the room mm. and I'm sure it does because I, I walk in my, I know that I'm regal. I know that I'm a queen. Mm. So my encounter with black men is not like most others. Mm. I've, um, I've been disrespected by, by black boys, not black men. Mm. There's a, there's, there's a big there's difference. Really great difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and that's since being a strong black woman, I think that we are only strong, really strong, not the kind of like when they think it's a compliment, but we are really strong and at our strongest and at our best when we are able to move in a community of, of strong black women, men. We feed off of each other. We mm. need each other. That's right. So I'm fortunate enough to say that I know <laughs> really dope black men who are stand up black men who treat women with the utmost respect. They do their due diligence. And it's never a question about what black women bring to the table because they understand that without us, they cannot be. They That's cannot true. exist and, and cannot work in their highest self without us. That's true. It's impossible to. So um, money doesn't factor in because you can have a penny. But I think knowing that I am the table when I come and I step into your kingdom, we're going to build this empire from the ground up. Mm. So money can't be an issue. Mm. It, it, it never should be an issue because we can, we can build wealth together. That's right. But as it, yeah, my, my biggest plight being a strong black woman when it comes to black men in outside communities has never really been disrespect more. So um, competition. Mm. Black men have felt in competition with me mm. until I make them understand that we ain't got to be in competition because really right. we're, we're a team. We can and once together. they can understand the dynamic of the teamwork, That's then right. we're all good. Now, that, now, let's go, Lady Obsidian Rain. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're fuming. Let's get it. Let's hear, let's hear what you... I want to hear this, man. I'm all in. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you very much because that was so on point. I am the table. Like when somebody asks me that question, what I bring, the Lord prepares the table for me in the presence of my enemies. Don't ask me what I bring to the table. I know what I'm capable of. I know what, you know, is available to me. And if everything fell, I know I can rebuild. So, okay, so be it. But as you were talking, Poet Black, you said something and it really kind of stuck to me. Like I like it ran across my head. I was like, oh, that's that's the part. Men are resenting their own need. Mm. If men have a need to feel needed, how are you then going to ask a woman what she can give you? Mm. Because mm. see that that that's a perfect that that's a that's a great question. That's a great question. But I'm telling you, 
what it is in the mind, because you're right. I agree with you. I believe that there is a need. And as a man, I'm telling you, you ladies, that there is a need for a man to be utilized. Men, I'm not talking about boys. We're talking about men. Men want to be utilized. Like, I often give the, 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 the analogy of a horse and a rider. When you look at the rider of the horse, in this analogy, the men are the horses and the women are the riders. Mm-hmm. Now, when you ride a horse, you have to know certain things. You got to know when to go fast. You got to know when to slow up. You got to know when to give them rest. You got to know when to feed them, things of that nature. Because a workhorse will just keep going. A horse, as long as you keep putting that 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 strap on his butt and you keep hitting him and you keep pulling them reins, he'll keep going. And he'll go, he'll, he'll, he'll have a heart attack if you don't, if you don't stop him and water him because they will keep going. They're designed that way. And a lot of times, a lot of our issues with black man, black woman is because we don't know how to properly put that connection together with horse, with the rider and the horse. A lot of times black women, in my opinion, I'm not talking, not even going to say black women. I'm not going to say black women. I want to use the word Let's see the black experience, because when you see a lot of the the Instagram videos as a black man, when you see a lot of now I'm a man, I like big behinds and things like the next man. However, when you see the way that black women and I know this doesn't represent any lady on this panel today because I know you sisters and I've always seen you. uh, I've always seen all you individually conduct yourselves in a respectful manner. I've never, I never went on Lady Obsidian Rain page and seen her twerking. I ain't never seen it. I ain't never seen. You know what I'm saying I ain't never go over here and and look on Jam page and see her busting it open. Never seen it. When you go on, when I go on your respective pages, I see elevation. I see motivation. I see kind words. I see words that would, you know, what I'm saying that would, would encourage an individual. But then you look at. The Cardi B. I'm going to use Cardi B as an example. I'm not saying because Cardi just sued this other girl. I ain't trying to get sued either. So, so you know what I'm saying? So Cardi, just use the Cardi experience. When you have sisters that portray themselves like that, Cardi got this persona, even though she's a married woman now, she got that persona. Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a dude for what I can get him for. I'm going to, I'm going to drug him. Take his money. He want a trick on me. Yeah, I, I'm a dance for him and all that. I'm a drug him at some point in time. And I'm a rob him. She had a whole situation when she was when she said she had a little crew and they was doing that. So I'm looking at it and I'm saying that these women right here, it becomes a representation. Like men like myself know the difference. I know the difference between a Cardi B and a Jam Spoken. I know the difference between a Cardi B and a Lady Obsidian. I know the difference between a Cardi B and Lady Shamise. I know the difference. I know you ladies are not into that twerking and all that disrespecting yourselves on the media to get money or get finances, whatever that case may be. But at the end of the day, it do plays on the image of black women. This is it. Don't play on the image of you ladies because I know y'all not about that. However. This is what the media uses to portray all black women like this. You see the most prominent black women doing busting it open. You see them stripping. You see them all these things you see 
on the media, even though I know better, and I'm pretty sure other brothers know better also, but this is what they're priming the masses for. And when the masses see you a certain way, then that's what what it's going to be. That was the whole purpose for them making that movie The Birth of a Nation. And they and, and they filmed the, the original Birth of a Nation that played in the White House that was depicting black people as whoremongers, the women as insatiable. You know what I'm saying? The men as drunkards and and winos, and they was they was schemers and things of that nature. And by all costs, America had to protect the fabric of America from this new terror: the black, the black woman, the black man. Black people. This is what's being primed. And what they don't realize, these artists, these artists is making all these, all this money. The Cardi B's of the world, the the, the Nicki Minaj's, the Little Kim's, the Foxy Browns, making all this money, but at the expense of you ladies. At the expense of you ladies. Because you ladies right here that's on the screen right now are exemplary. You ladies carry yourselves as women. However, the image that these these other women is projecting out in the media is is by default affecting you. It's affecting you. That's why I believe that the poets, the poets, poetry is the saving grace to bring us something that we can listen to, bring us something, some words that we can vibe and have entertainment, but at the same time, encourage us and, and, and make us reach for our higher selves. And they're purposely doing that. That's why... Cardi B get signed and Lady Obsidian Rain ain't got five Grammys already or Jam Spoken ain't got five Grammys or or Lady Jacobs ain't got five Grammys. Why you ladies ain't all you ladies got work out there. You got books out there, your office, you're, you're out there performing. Why do you why you're not getting a recognition as someone as Cardi B or what's the other one name? Um, uh, the the uh, uh, Megan. Yeah, Megan. Why y'all not getting that type of, of respect or that type of currency for doing what you do? The things that they're bringing to the table are actually base with no value of, of any of any kind. But what you ladies bring, are, you know, what I'm saying you bring in positivity, you're bringing affirmations that are positive, that's inspiring people. Why are you not celebrated? And this is the reason why they want this dynamic to happen, just like they want the dynamic between black man, black woman to be at odds. And they use money to do that. They did it before. They had the man. Remember, you remember the man was working. Yo, I got to get her a ring. Now, when you really look at the ring, why I got to get you a ring? If I make a commitment, I'm a man of my word. And I say, look, I, I, I want you. I want to marry you. This, But we're so conditioned. Oh, you got to give me a piece of jewelry. You got to spend some money. The more money you spend on me is to determine how much you love me, how much you care for me. So this is how they prime men in the beginning. And this is how it's ending because men are remembering. You remember when, oh, I got if I ain't got no money, I can't get no play. I can't get no honey. So now the tables are being turned. So you got these rappers out there and they're they're rapping about this sentiment. They're, they're actually out there like, yeah, I ain't, forget a chick. I, it's all about my, my bros and all my day ones and all this crazy stuff. But they want us to get away from the black union because the black union is powerful. When you connect a black man and a black woman together, they can make it happen. They can make it happen, but they don't want you to see that. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right, Jam, 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 you got the floor. I'm going to be quick because I know we got to go in a minute. Yeah. Um, <coughs> um, I feel like the dynamic of acting like, uh, 
Lady of City and Rain said, like, the dynamic of action which you bring to the table can sometimes be deferred and, and put in as a way to manipulate both mm-hmm. men and women because what he was really saying was, I don't need a woman. Because what the girl was saying she was bringing to the table was the essence of what women kind of bring. We bring something else and men bring something else. So when a woman say, I don't need a man and, and a man say, I don't need a woman, we both saying we don't need each other. So what he was saying, like, what can we can't give them out anything outside of our, our nature. Mm. So that's why I believe homosexuality is at an all time high because men are no longer needing what women truly bring and women are no longer needing what men truly bring. Like we're not saying, what can you bring? Oh, you, when you got to start telling a person, Oh, I got a degree and I got all of this. You already feel because that's not what you bring in mm. our nature and our existence. The way God created us, he created a woman to bring what a woman could bring. And he created a man to bring what a man could bring. And if we both respect, what we naturally bring, then we honor that in each other. But we don't, you know what I mean? Like, so I think like that conversation needed to be had. Like, what can a woman bring? The woman can bring what she bring as a woman. Without mm. women, the world would not have birth. We, you know what That's I mean? Right. Like God, distinctionally, we don't have to look too far to figure out what God uh, ordained for a woman. We don't have to look too far to figure out what God ordained for men. Men, men were in leadership. Men are natural born leaders. Women are emotional. That's why they don't put us in this decision making. I'm not saying that we can't make decisions, but I don't want to make no decision because I know when I make decisions, I'm going to think on emotion that I feel and it may not be the most realistic emotion. Mm. So I need a man in my life to lead me to make decisions because I know that he's not going to make a decision off of his emotions because men are logical. So I, these are the things I need a man. I just need him to be himself. Wow. Just like a man should just need a woman to be herself when she's operating in her womanhood. You gotta get one for that. You gotta get one for that. That one, that right there was so well put. So well put. Lady Obsidian, let's go. <laughs> what you got? I see you I mean, writing over there. I know you're writing. You're writing. <laughs> I, I mean, every everyone is different, so I, I won't you know, negate what she's saying she's me. She's absolutely speaking from her mm. perspective. I've been told I'm too rational. Mm. You know, I, I will logically think things through and that's because I'm so hyper aware that somebody's going to write me off as being emotional. Wow. So I really do sit and process my emotions and I try to, you know, come from a place where like I'm looking at objectives, you know, from, from that objective space, I'm looking at, you know, how they may take it. I'm looking at how I need it to come out before I do make decisions. Cause I'm not making decisions just for me. I, you know, I'm making this, making decisions that's also going to impact my children. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've written about it in one of my poems, the actual place for a woman was being the helpmate. It was like, I'm going to be able to see your blind spots. Mm. I'm also going to be able to be your safe space. So the woman is also supposed to be valued for having that perspective because men can, men can be extremely emotional too. And what I really find kind of funny, you know, going back to the science of things, testosterone is actually what makes women emotional. We are most emotional during that (laughs) week when we are, you know, you know, on on the red river as some call it, but that's when we have most of the testosterone in our bodies. Mm. So if that's when we are the most emotional and men have testosterone and higher concentration naturally, 
And you know, it, it, you know, you, <laughs> you, you, you see, I see what Jam is speaking about with the emotion. Because listen, I'm gonna tell y'all something, right? With men, I'm gonna tell you, men are able. Not saying that women can't, but men are able to think, to think. Like I'll give you a prime example because this makes more sense. When a man, when a woman says she's gonna go shopping, right? When a woman says she's going to go shopping, she says, I'm going to go get me some new shoes. A woman will go shopping, say, all right, I'm going to get some new shoes. She will come back with everything but new shoes. She will come back with everything but new that. shoes. She would, she would be like, oh, like I used to go shopping with my mother when I was a young, when I was young. I was like about eight, nine years old. And I used to hate going shopping with my mother. Food shopping, any type of shopping. I didn't like going shopping with my mother because my mother would take years ages i'm talking about ages you talking about six seven hours going on the shopping going shopping with my mom that was like a six seven eight hour day so my mom's would say oh i'm going to, i'm going shopping she said we going to the store and we're going to get maybe some paint we'll come back with wallpaper we'll come back with glue we'll come back with mallets and hammers nails tacks upholstery stuff we'll come back with everything but what we said we was going there for but when a man says i'm going to the store i'm gonna cop the new jays i'm gonna go get a, i'm gonna go get the new jays they come out today a man will go to the store buy the jays come back home with the jays May, he may buy a hat to go with it, but most likely when man says I'm going to go get something, like I'm going to the supermarket and I'm making a, di- a, a, a dinner or whatever, and I need two ingredients. When I go to the store, I need garlic and onions. When I go to the store, I'm buying garlic and onions. If you thought I was coming back with anything other than garlic and onions, you were mistaken because I'm not coming back with nothing else. You didn't ask me for it. I'm not going to do it. I say that to say this. Men are very, you know, under pressure, because she made a great point. Jan made a great point that men, when 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 it's time to be emotional, that's one thing that we don't have. Women are emotional, but it's a blessing that they're emotional. It's it's, it's a benefit from them being emotional. Men are not as emotional as women, even though we are. We're not as emotional, but it's a benefit for that because it allows us to think. You know, somebody banging on your door trying to come into your house. A woman may panic. Not saying that that's this the case. Once some women might just go grab that nine. They might go get that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how it is. But I'm saying, but men are able to think under certain type of pressures. And, and they're able to make logical decisions. Because sometimes, I, I can tell you, when a woman argues with you, when a woman's arguing with you, she'll be arguing. Like Chris Rock said it dope. He said, a woman, you say, you can't beat a woman in an argument. He said, Why? He said, because men try to make sense and women not in it for sense. Listen to this. I know it sounds offensive, but it's not. He said, women are not in it for sense. They, they're in it for distance and irritation. They don't care about sense. They don't care if it got to make, it got to, it got to be together. One plus one is two. One plus one can equal 16 in a woman in her rage. It doesn't matter. But with a man, with a man, I'm telling you, men think a little bit more logically without the emotion not saying that men are not emotional don't get me wrong ladies mm-hmm. i'm just saying that men can i agree with jam 100 he, percent. he's talking about the majority so we are saying everything not everybody yeah exactly but that's what I'm saying. like that doesn't sound like emotion that sounds like focus. 
on how many women that you've been around that's emotional compared to how many that's been rational? Ten to forty. No, I'm saying. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say two things, and then we'd be it. lying if we said we'd be sitting here lying to prove a point. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm gonna say two things. I'm gonna touch on two things. Okay. You said that men need to be needed, and then you gave the whole theory of the the horse and the rider, mm-hmm. right? This strong black woman, me, mm-hmm. I can take care of everything, and this is where that negative effect. This is one of those negative effects come in. I can take care of my bills. I can keep house. I can cook. Mm. I can do all the things that women are ideally supposed to be able to do in that that new, right? My last serious relationship, he couldn't wrap his mind around how I did not need his hands. Mm. I did not need his money. I ha- I can do I can outsource anything you can fix in this house. I cannot <laughs> what I need as a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. As the, the other half in this union is for you to take care of me. So can a man be okay with being needed in that essence? Be loyal. Be my peace. Because outside of you, I got to battle the same world you battle. That's right. Can you make my home a safe space? Emotionally, mentally, physically. Mm. Can you take care of me? Because financially, I'm straight. Mm. And if this ends today or tomorrow, I'm not missing anything but your presence. Mm. And, and by your presence, I really mean just you having a person. That's it. At the end of the day, that's all I need. So, but the the, the negative effect of that is those men who do need to be needed for their their hands and their finances don't know how to maneuver, don't know how to navigate that space. Mm. He he couldn't function in that. You don't need me to pay a bill. No, bills are getting paid before you came back, bro. Mm. I was straight. They gonna be good when you gone. While you're here, though, <laughs> don't stress me out. So, I can't figure, yeah, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, cutting you off. Help me be a partner, be a part of the team. But understand that before there was a you, I was it was a team of me. Okay, now when look, I'm aboard. You got to be a helpmate the same way that Bible told you I was supposed That's to be. That's right, helpmate. I agree. Now, let so, me. I get the whole idea of a man supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be able to lead. And when I when I see a king, I recognize a king. I acknowledge him just as such. Mm. But I also am a firm believer that a king recognizes the queen and he right. understands that we lead and we walk and we rule and reign side by side, not one above the other, not one in front of the other. It's I, a side by side ordeal. I, I agree. It's a, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. And But every team has to have has to have a leader. Not every true. team. Not every true. team. Name one team Not that true. don't got a leader. Every team has individual players who are good at individual things. And collectively, everybody yes. has to be good at what they're good at in order for it to work, period. But You're only as strong as your weakest link. That's true. So that's true. Be a leader. It, that's it, true. It but no, leader. but look at look at all the sports in the world. Every team gotta have either team captain. Some in some capacity, you got it like in football. The the lead of the team by default is the quarterback because the quarterback is he's directing everybody. Not saying that no other play is, is unimportant. Every person on the on the on the roster is important, but you need someone to take that leadership role. And that leadership role doesn't decrease your value as a player. And that's where we're getting the misconnect. The mis the, 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 but do you do you does the team captain mm-hmm. is he always 
the best player on the team. No. Nope. That was the point. That, no, exactly. That but but that shows that you that shows you how important the woman is because just because he's the leader doesn't mean he's the best team on the he's he's the best player on the team. That's a fact. That's a fact. Because he's the because he's the leader, he's elected like the point guard, the point guard in basketball. He's elected to direct the, to um to direct traffic to to make sure the players get in a position so that they can score the basket. But he's by far not the best player on the team. I agree. Like the woman and and that. And, and I believe that the woman bring, I know what a woman brings to the table. I know what she brings to the table and I respect her for that. I have a daughter, you know what I'm saying? And, and I want my daughter, you know what I'm saying? To know who she is and have that understanding that your worth is, in, is immeasurable. So I understand, but at the same time, we have to understand together to, to be cohesive that we got to come together and understand each other's virtues to understand each other's values. Because a lot of times, and this, this is, this is the gripe that men have black men. I'm going to just specify black men is that maybe they don't feel appreciated enough. And, 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 and this can be very disheartening, especially when you know a person is better than you. When you look at a person and you look at the, the, the person on the team that's better than you, like, yo, he got all this, he got all this. She got all these attributes and he knows that she's better. But then without that recognition, he feel worthless. And, and, and then women don't need to take that for granted. Understand, not saying that, oh, he's weak. You know? No, I'm saying that a man needs, you need to look at him and understand his purpose and utilize him in that purpose, just like the horse. You know what I'm saying? If you run him over the cliff, he'll keep going and, and he'll go right over the daggone cliff. If you don't stop, if you don't be like, hold on. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got to control that. But a lot of women don't understand their control. I believe they don't understand the power of the influence that they have. And it's getting warped and convoluted with the things that's happening in the world today, especially with our people. When you look at our people, the main leaders that represent us as a people are entertainers. And then you look at the lives of these entertainers and you see them busting it open, shaking it up. So you look at the youth and the youth saying that, oh, this is what black women is. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. I know it's ignorance. I know it's, it's because of lack of information, but this is what's happening. And we can dispel that together. Like lady, lady said, you know, we need to come together. We need to recognize each other's virtues. We need to come together and build together because money can always come. We can always build wealth. I like that. But then you got to look at some of these, some, some of the scenarios, some of the scenarios is that women and men are being, are becoming complacent in the, in the idea of, I don't need you. Like, I don't need you. What I need you for. When you think about it, think about, think about a man's perspective with all of the, when you marry a woman and then she leaves you, you, she get half your property. Look at, look at all the, the, the scenarios. Look at the scenario with Dr. Dre. Look at the scenario with, uh, uh, with, with them other celebrities that's given up millions and millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And, and, and this person never made them make one beat, never was in there, never was in there doing no pro tools or nothing, but getting half of everything you got. So it's making men starting to pause. Men are starting to pause. 
The first person that happened to was a white dude. If y'all remember Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson, his wife got half of his property, half, everything. And that, and back then, that was probably like 150 million back then, which would be today's estimate about maybe six, 700 million in today's money. But you got to look at that. When people start seeing that, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm proposing to you. So think about if you were, if you were a man, I'm going to propose to you. I'm going to buy you a house. I'm going to buy you a ring. I'm going to work and provide for you. And then if I cheat or if I do anything wrong that you're not satisfied in the relationship, I'm getting divorced and I'm getting half my shit taken. So you look at men from that perspective and then you be like, okay, if I was a man, would I do that? If you was a man, would you enter into that contract? And this is what they're trying to project in TV. And that's what's being shown, that I'm going to take half your shit. That's why a lot of men are, no, I ain't getting married. Marriage is frowned upon. Nobody want to get married because they feel that they put their name on that dotted line. Now, you know what I'm saying? It's all over. But we got, we, yo, we got through so much, man. And I don't want to hold you ladies too much because I would sit here and have you ladies for hours. Lady Obsidian Rain, no. So we going to do... We're going to do one more round, Rob, and everybody going to say they, they, they last, they, they, their statements. Because I know, look at, look at Obsidian. She, she burning. <laughs> ready. But go ahead. We're going to start off with Lady Obsidian Ring. We're going to go around. And, uh, you know, hopefully one of you ladies will spit a poem. Because we supposed to got into some poetry, but the conversation just got too good. So we're going to do a final synopsis of everybody. And, uh. We're going to start with Lady Obsidian Rain. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. I'm waiting I for mean, this. I, I'm just agreeing to, like, so after reading the four agreements, it's really, I'm really selective to what I will agree to because it means I'm signing that agreement and, and allowing that to just be the narrative. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, like, I can respect the perspective um, of, you know, who's more emotional or the cases based on how you were explaining it, it definitely sounded more like focus women, because we are always multitasking. When we go out to do certain things, our brain is like over processing. So yeah, we'll probably pick up some more stuff. I don't think that's emotion. I just think that's focus. <laughs> A man goes in and they got tunnel vision. I'm going in for this. And then yes. they come out. That's not necessarily emotion. That's just a particular way of, of focusing. So I'm going to just agree to disagree on that point. Because uh, like I said, I'm very rational. <laughs> I, I don't like shopping. So I'm, I might be the anomaly and I'm all right with that. Um, but I do have uh, a poem and it's uh, called Ode to the Strong, Strong One. All right, let's get it. I commend you for your strength. You're one of the strongest women I know. Wow. You've really overcome a lot. For once, I'd like for this to not be part of the compliments. My resiliency isn't the badge of honor it is narrated as being. It's like thanking a veteran for his service, yet it never eases the faces of people from his memory. Instead, tell me. Tell me what my strength has done for you. Tell me that my story gives you strength. Strength to face your fears, strength to push through your tears. Tell me that your compliment isn't a vain attempt to make me feel better about my suffering. I laugh along with my classmates as we speak of our trauma, the impact they've made on our personalities. Our discrepancies color us interesting to talk to. 
feeling like caged animals in a zoo, these monkeys that don't get off our backs. Yes, you can give them a banana, but they always come back. You can compliment my strength, but the weakness I feel within keeps me suspended. Commend me while I laugh at my frailty. This choice to be strong came at a heavy price. Invalidation. She knows what she wants and speaks with clarity, but she's undermined by others and their insecurities. She suffers from the inability to trust in those that contradict their words. Actions only to lure before trapping the trap door. Overcoming is its own burden. No one believes when the strong one cries. Reality is her strength is its own form of defeat. Makes her too masculine. Makes her competition. Makes her more of a challenge to conquer than a woman worth protecting. Worth serving. And to show anything less than strong labels her weak, passive, pushover, doormat, gold digger, clingy, needy, a trap. For once, the strong one wants someone to be strong for them. Love and respect them. Keep and protect them. Have the ability to show up, stand up, understand and affirm them. Even when they're strong, they're still vulnerable and crying. Wow. Profound peace. Profound peace. Wow. All right. Jam is on you. Let's get it. I'm going to leave it with this poem called I Am Vulnerable. Black women are strong. Black women are resilient. Black women are taught to be everything but vulnerable. I just want to be a vulnerable black woman. May they consider my tears dope. No longer suppressing my fears, I realized my biggest fear was to feel. Because black women are homes. In our homes, we sacrifice ourselves for the greater good of being strong. Our throne is pain and we suffer in silence. We cry in bathrooms. We hate to be seen as weak. So to succeed, we disconnect from everything that causes us to feel in the name of going on. We are black. Black is continuing abuse of oneself just to portray strength. I always wish my restless head had a place to rest besides my bed. Like on a black man's chest, black men were raised by their mothers. So they see black women as their mothers. So they watch us exhaust ourselves day in and day out. And their only sentiment, you are a great mother. I am tired of being great. I just want to be a vulnerable black woman. I want to need thee. I want my emotions not to be viewed as baggage. I want help unpacking my day without anyone saying you're complaining. Black woman, be silent. Black woman is tenacious. She make full plates on dinner tables while feeling empty. She throw away your plate and won't even eat hers and won't even be asked if you're okay because black women are always okay. Black women are heriots. Whilst the journey for truth, we walk barefoot into battles. Conquering defeat, we stand grounded and ready for war. Black women need to be at war with being strong. I just want to be a vulnerable black woman in my home. Whoa. Damn. Wow, man. Profound, profound. But y'all getting me inspired now. Y'all getting me inspired. <laughs> Let's go, lady. You you got a piece for us? I'm torn between two. Y'all are fire. Let me say that. Like, <laughs> 
So I'm new to Lady Obsidian, but Jam has easily become one of my favorites over a matter of months. I try to never miss a video, a post, anything with her name in it. <laughs> Lord. Sheesh. Okay. <laughs> um, so I featured at my open mic uh, beginning of this month. And my, my feature was centered around Black women. It, it was a night for the Black woman. So I think I'll do um, I'll do her from my book. What if she remembers she's holy? What if she finds all the pieces of herself she thought she lost in the fire when they carried her fragility to nail to a cross she bared for you and all your fatherless sins? Would you cry for her? Who will sit at her tomb? Who will wait for her return? Will you applaud when she rises from the ashes, her resurrection? Can you see past the world she says she is and rejoice in her? Tomorrow's treasures, yesterday's ruins. What if she could calm the path ahead of you? Write you survival instructions in blood. She's done it before, you know. But all she was to you was woman and that made no difference. That blood was not just ink. And her poems were not just pleas for you to protect her virtue. What happens if you discover she is holy? What if she finds she doesn't want you for followers? Suppose you are exiled from lands harvested by her hands in water with tears you summons to her face. Will you beg to stay? Pray for her religiously. Pray to her religiously. Suppose you find her temple was a healing place you once ambushed with weapons you told her were tools used to love her with. What will happen on the day you realize that she is perfect and it was your beholding eyes that lied? Will you beg for her forgiveness for the waves of disappointment that once caused motion sickness in her soul? You took the lightning and thunder from her lap. You have to know she is holy. You have to worship her. Make a religion of patiently awaiting her smile to rise the sun and for her sleepy eyes to beckon the moon about the sky. Doesn't that tell you she's holy? Would you need to be torn apart by the world and put back together by her tongue again, healed by her again? How many times does she have to die to save you before you realize that she is holy? Mm-hmm. Ladies, ladies, ladies. It's only befitting. Now, I usually do not do this. The show, the Spoken Soul Sessions is about you guys, but you guys have definitely inspired me. So I'm going to spit a little piece. I'm going to spit a piece. And y'all know I don't do this. Jam and, and, and Lady Obsidian Rain, y'all know I don't do this. But I'm going to spit this piece called The Balance. And um, it's for the black woman. I said, I said that I loved her. Wouldn't put anything above her. I slurred those words and heard bells resound in a symphony, an orchestrated harmony, sublime, divine in nature. The way she corrected my stature, fed fuel to my future and nurtured my life. A wife. She was beyond that. I wanted to be more than just a man. The hand she used to soothe her pain. I wanted to reside in her veins, be the blood to keep her heart beating, be the reason she needed to be all she could be. Would we be the epitome of what union is? Give glimpses of what happens when substance meets structure. 
when the touch matches the sentiment and our actions are sincere, there's a balance. There's a balance there. A fear that you may not be given enough. And when that feeling is mutual, you can actually view love for what it is. A balance. A standstill. A distinction between real and fake. A place free from deceit and doubt. A station without stating the words because they're felt. Held in the highest regard but displayed in a timid demeanor. No need for mean gestures when love is festered in the heart. And if you start that as the premise, then you finish where you begin. With the truth. The proof that a bond bonded on balance will beam triumphant in the end. Where you can't determine where friend in and lover begin, it's in that instance love is depicted descriptive and plain. Because the aim never really changes. And our way may sway at times, but at the end of the day, we'll find ourselves right beside each other. United. Mended at the roots. Fortified at the base. Flourished with the fruit of fidelity, sincerity and the fruition of what God intended us to be in the balance of things, where all things in its own unique way correlates. That's the balance. When the word we precedes I and I die without you and never strive to hurt you, that's the balance. So I hope to find us amongst the elite of this discreet group of lovers who will put their lovers' needs above the fulfillment of their own. This is where the house is adorned with the beauty of the home and may God protect it and may we thrive to respect it for all it's worth and may we always put each other first and the thirst to please you may it always be accompanied with your hunger to please me and that's the balance of love peace family now that piece right there in particular you know, is dedicated to the black woman, dedicated to, that was my, like my personal, you know, cry out to black, how I want the relationship to be, what I feel that we can accomplish together. And I believe it's all about union. I want to thank you ladies for coming through. You know, we got to do this twice. We got to do this again. With different topics and things of that nature, man. You ladies were so insightful. Y'all came and y'all brought so much to the table. I think so much clarity came. Now, I want to plug everybody before we before we end the show. Lady Obsidian Rain, y'all go check her out on um on Instagram. She has two books that's on Amazon right now that you can go get. Weathering the Storms and Love After the Eruptions. She's an artist. She's a motivational speaker. She's a she's a great phenomenal poet. I mean, she got poems that I heard that I'm still pondering about. I mean, she's official. Y'all want to go check her out, man. Definitely go go support her, support those books on Amazon. Next, we have the beautiful Jamela McKenzie, Jam Spoken. I my, When I say, like, you're new to the poetry scene, you've been doing spoken word for a while, but you're new to the scene, but you've made an impact. You've made a tremendous impact you landed a spot on this show before a lot of other seasoned artists you know what i'm saying so i don't know how you did that but you did it and what i respect about you personally that i see every time you perform i see your sincerity 
I see that is not bullshit what you're spitting. When 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 I hear you spit, I really feel it. It touches me. You know what I'm saying? Y'all go check out Jam. She's Jam Spoken on Instagram. She got a SoundCloud that got some dope material up there. Go check her out. You'll be seeing her in a in a in a city near you. She's she's traveling. She's 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 spitting. Man, go support this sister. Anything she got going on, please. And then we have our new acquaintance. I just met you through Jam, and it was a blessing that I met you, Shamise Lady yeah, Jacobs. And um, I mean, I love your spirit, Queen. I love your aura. I love your energy. You you give me good vibes. You know what I'm saying? I can feel those good vibes when I when I when I'm talking to you. Everything you're saying, I feel the passion, you know, and I and I really appreciate you coming and taking this time on the show. Now you do have a book. You do have a book out. Wait, where can we purchase that book at? Holiday is available at um Amazon. Okay, it's on Amazon also. Holiday by Lady by Shamise Lady Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Y'all go check that out. How much is a book? 18. 18. That's a little small investment. Spoken family. Y'all go out and check that book out, man. Order that on Amazon. I got Lady Obsidian Rain's book on the way. I'm getting that book. Both of them books. Trust me, I'm getting both of those. You know what I'm saying? And um, definitely y'all go out and support these ladies, man. These are tremendous women. All three of these women are very, I'm, I'm, I want to say, I don't want to use the word role models, but you women, I look up to you ladies and I Thank love you. what you do on your platform or your perspective platforms. Every time I'm looking for you guys, I'm always getting inspired. I'm always getting motivated. I really love what you guys are doing and what y'all bring into this spoken word realm that I love so much. Y'all all welcome to come back. First of all, jamming and lady has already been back you're definitely welcome in the crew to come back also again and uh, we're going to be doing these panel discussions a little bit more often with some other different topics because i think it brings clarity to what we're trying to get and what we're trying to get is the union we're trying to bring black people together you know what i'm saying i do not hate black women i love black women i love black women you know what i'm saying nobody i'm telling you if anybody know any anybody know poetic black you know what I'm saying? If you're too light, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're that light persuasion. It ain't going down. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I love the black queen. I love you. I love all you sisters, man. And I really appreciate y'all coming, taking your time through this day to come bless the show, you know? And uh, you guys go check them out. But let me do my, 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 uh, y'all know what I do at the end of the show. I got to leave you guys with something positive some type of positive affirmation so let me do my famous background song for that and this is it i want to i want to inform all the audience like these ladies that came on the show today you are black you are strong there's no fault in that And don't allow anyone to demonize you for being what you are. We are powerful beyond measure. Despite what anyone says, despite what anyone try, any trope they try to put in the media to try to bring us down or try to demonize who we are, we know that we are powerful beyond measure. We are strong people. We are loving people. We are sincere people. And we need each other. Black man, stop neglecting this black queen. Black queen, 
Stop neglecting your black king. Let's come together. Let's find a resolution. Let's come together. Let's build. Let's build. Let's build. Let's be great. I love you guys. And I hope you love me too. Remember, always speak your soul. Until next time, peace.